1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's
2: happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got a busy show today. Um, Brandon McAnderson is going to join the show in about 35 minutes to talk some KU football and NBA with the conference finals going on.
0: We got another gift card to give away.
2: That's right, for 23rd Street Brewery to uh, our third-place winner for RCST Trivia, the top of the 4 o'clock hour, third-place game between Justin and, and uh, Ryan. And then we will have Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. I did want to make quick mention of this, though, before we get into the Open, which deals, as you'd imagine, with Kevin McCuller, uh committing to KU. But uh, I wanted to make quick mention, Sam Stro, the head coach for Free State High School, the basketball team, he has been a phenomenal head coach. And we, we've been so lucky – to, to cover both Lawrence High and, and Free State and all the sports that we do. Obviously, we just had the Free State baseball games. They move on to state. Both Free State and LHS have had great football and basketball programs. And the basketball is no different with both those guys in town, Mike Lewis and Sam Stroh. And, um, you know, uh, we're going to miss Sam. Uh, he's he's leaving Free State. I haven't seen what for. I, I don't know to what regard if he's leaving for another coaching position or we were talking before the break, like is it an administrative position somewhere where you can't coach as well? I don't know what he's doing after this, but um, really congratulations to him. And and it went to six straight state championship appearances. He got a couple third-place finishes, a runner-up one year, just did phenomenal work with Free State, an absolutely very gifted uh, high school basketball coach and uh, just wanted to give a shout-out to that. Uh, But nonetheless, Kevin McCuller, who is the transfer from Texas Tech, big guy, kind of wing guard type of player, has committed to Kansas. We knew that he was down to the NBA, Gonzaga and Kansas. He still technically has not chosen Kansas over the NBA but he did officially pick them that if he does come back to college, that'll be the case. Here's the message that Kevin McColar gave on social media. I am forever grateful for the experience to attend Texas Tech University and play the game I love. My family has deep roots to Texas Tech, and it has shaped me into the man I am today. I am so thankful for that and would not change anything about my time there. Thank you to the community and fans that have supported me every day. We have had some great experiences together. It's been an honor to wear the Texas Tech jersey and be part of the Lubbock community. As I look forward to the next chapter of my career, if I decide to withdraw from the NBA draft, I am thrilled to say that I will be playing for the University of Kansas and Coach Self. At this stage of my life, KU offers me an opportunity to continue to improve my game while still being close to my family. I'm extremely thankful and excited for the opportunity to represent such a historic basketball program. It's an honor of a lifetime. And uh, in the Photoshopped image, he's wearing the number 15, which that's been good to KU players in the past, I would say. Um, yeah, I can think of, of a few successful
0: 15s off the top of my head. Um,
2: I but What I, does that mean? Wait, wait, hold on. This is uh, drama. Uh-oh. Dylan Wilhite, freshman walk-on from San Diego, was wearing number fifteen.
0: I gotta think he'll give it up.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, McColler coming off a season, we, we kind of went through this when he announced that Gonzaga and uh, Kansas were his finalists if he chose to come. Basically, it was the way you can read this is it used to be that his, his finalists were Kansas, Gonzaga, or the NBA. Now, his finalists are Kansas or the NBA.
2: And just to be clear, he was in the G League Combine, did not get the invite to the NBA Combine, so it's probably Kansas.
0: Well, oh, yeah, or I mean, maybe he'll just choose to go play overseas. But I have a hard time believing he winds up in the NBA this and year.
2: And if you were like, why would you make this announcement? You know what I mean? Why I agree. Would you put the I agree.
0: Um, uh, you've got uh, ten uh, coming off a season where he had ten points, four and a half rebounds, and just over three assists. I did not have I should have looked this up but I didn't. Um I don't know how he did against KU as a whole this season. He missed what the first I do game. have, did he? Okay. I can say in the last game I've got the box score from the Big 12 title game pulled up. Kansas of course won that one 74 to 65. Um the leading score for tech that game was Bryson Williams. McColler scored eight points on um not a particularly efficient night. He went three for ten, three for seven from two, oh for three um, from three and then uh, two for two from free throw. Um, so he eight points, uh, three rebounds, um, five assists though, uh, to just two turnovers. So that's not a bad night in 33 minutes. So he got last time he played Kansas in that big 12 championship. He got, he, he was below his, um, average. Uh, but we all know, uh, what kind of defense Mark Adams had his team playing down in Lubbock all year. So no reason to think that uh, they won't, um, he won't bring, he's got the athleticism, and Mark Adams demands a lot. Um, yeah, they had the the so, number
2: one defense in Ken Palm.
0: Yeah, so he'll know, you know, maybe there are a few things that Self does differently, um, but in general, uh, you're looking at a guy who at the very least knows the importance of defense and is used to playing for a coach. Who uh, who who emphasizes
2: defense? So I think he's played twice specifically in Lawrence, 2020-21 season. He had 12 and nine in the game last year. He uh, he helped Kansas uh, win the game by going one for eleven. He had just two points um, in the double overtime game. Yes, so Kansas wins the Big 12 partially because of Ochai, partially because of that shot. Um, but th- this is a big time get for KU. He should fit really well for the Jayhawks. I mean you're talking about a guy he's listed at again what is going on here i i i don't understand we we've been so accustomed to these college teams listing guys taller than they are he's listed at 6-6 he measured in shoes at the g league combine at 6-7
0: maybe colleges are just intentionally trying to get away from that maybe they're aware of the reputation and then like,
2: I, I don't. I'm, I'm sick. They're of this. overcorrecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're now gonna they're... see like a seven foot center. He's like, he's six eight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like Jeff <laughs> Jeff Withy, like the the or Joel, you know, like the 2025 version of Jeff Withy is gonna be like, yeah, he's a center, six foot two.
2: <laughs> what six Just foot to try two? To surprise people or something? He's twice the size of Bill Self. So yeah, six I, two. I don't understand why that's happening, but nonetheless, he measured six seven in shoes at the G League combine, six nine wingspan. So size wise, he can play up to the four. In fact. Um, like, when I say he can defend any position, he can switch one through five, that a lot of times just gets thrown out there about good defenders who can switch a lot when realistically they can only defend one through three or two for four or something like that. No, Texas Tech legitimately did switch one through five last year, and he was he was the best defensive player on the best defensive team in the country. I'd be interested to see. Now, Kansas, Nova is the
0: – and I don't know if they'll change this now with their with their new coach, Neptune – uh, but Jay Wright at Nova was the only program that consistently posted up guards. Other other programs will do it occasionally. We saw that it can cause Kansas some havoc if, if it's done to them. But then we saw a few times, not for the whole game, but in a, a few moments here and there with Christian Brown in the national championship game, uh, Kansas using a guard, posting up another guard to their benefit. I'd be interested to see, um, I mean, that tells
2: me that he... And he did that attack, McCuller did. He he, he, he was he, able to post up.
0: Yeah, so yeah. he did it, and then what it tells me is he's also, um, you know, he's also good, enough. I, I would think, you know, that that could be a good sign. I, I got to say, I haven't seen him guard uh, many guards who are posting up on him, but um, I, I would think that that athleticism would, uh, would work toward the inability to um, to not be at least completely lost and you know lost at sea when they're posting up guards because that is, I just think that's gonna happen more and more. It's 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 clearly um, being used by some programs as the occasional wrinkle in in a game plan where they'll do it five or six sets a game. Um, Villanova, like I said, did it quite a bit, but I do think it's being seen as such a a, a gatherer of an advantage, if you want to call it that. That um, I think more programs will begin to do it, and and so that in the the answer to that's going to be you're going to need more guys who can defend it.
2: He can he can really handle the ball too, which kind of gives you the reminders a bit of, of Jalen Wilson, this six 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 seven type wing guy who can play the four for you, but can also grab a rebound and go. He only I shouldn't say only I mean it was four rebounds per game for a guy who was playing a lot of point guard for attack is is a good number, but the year before when he wasn't playing as much. Of kind of the lead guard. He averaged over six rebounds per game. He was fifth in the Big 12 in defensive rebounding rate. So like clearly this is a guy that can go up and get rebounds and he has that ability to grab the rebound and go. And that was, was such a theme with this year's KU team that helped make them so lethal in transition. And when you think about being at a school like KU or being at some of these other blue bloods or big time schools, in theory, you should have some of the best athletes in the country on your team. So how can you get out in transition? And it's funny because I remember even the 2019-20, the 2018-19, the 19-20. Now, Devon Dotson was kind of a transition guy, just like he was his own tra- – like. He, it wasn't a great transition team, but they had one player who was good at transition, which was Devon Dotson. He was great at it. But outside of that, 2018-19, 19, 19 20 season, twenty twenty one season, they were not good in transition. That was something that Bill Self would always harp on and being like, you know, I wish we would be better at running. This past year's team was fantastic at it. They would, It looked like a Roy Williams team. Exactly. Like, you could argue they were the best team at it in the country. I don't know if it worked out that way statistically, but, like, I would argue that they were. And you had, legit, four guys who could grab it and go, yep. right? And now as we look at next year's roster, we don't really know who's going to play where, who's going to start, or who's going to get the most minutes. But this is one of those guys that you fit in and say that he can do just that and that he can, you know, defensively, you can play him as a three or a four. Offensively, from a shooting role, he can be more of a three or four. But because he played some point guard at Texas Tech last season, we always talk about the two point guard looks with Bill Self. If this guy is basically one of your other players on the court and you play one lead guard with three wings but he essentially is has inside of him partially point guard, it allows you to kind of get a mix of the three-wing lineup and the two-lead guard lineup.
0: If his, um, and this isn't, I'm not saying I'm, I'm predicting this to happen, I'm just putting it out there just so we can get our, um, our expectations down. If he comes to Kansas and he's the team's best defender, but that points per game drops to nine, eight and a half, nine a game, are you okay with that? Yeah. presenting the possibility that him being relied upon to guard the team's best player most nights mm-hmm. is going to get him Make it so he struggles a little bit shooting.
2: Yeah, I I think the biggest thing for me is is what are the shooting numbers. Like it, it's less about the points. Yeah, you don't. You, for me, yeah, it's more about the efficiency. Yeah,
0: yeah you don't want like a, in that Big Twelve title game, three for ten. That game you talked about in Lawrence this past year, one for eleven. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. If you can get a
2: consistent, if you can, get, like if you're can, shooting thirty five percent from three, you're scoring nine a game. You're getting five six rebounds. You're getting. Three, three and a half assists per game, and you're the best defender on the team, and maybe the best defender in the conference or the country. Yeah, I'll take that. Take that easy.
0: Yeah, I would agree, um, but this team is going to have to find a place to get scoring. Yeah, I and just you, you can tell without having now. Look, maybe I mean we keep hearing Grady Dick has a has a remarkable shot, um, but even then, you need more than one guy. Yeah, and and so this the the th- I can tell you, I I well, if I had to make a prediction, it's, it would be that this. We're going to be talking about this team struggling to score earlier, early in the season. Uh, I, think I think that's that what's going sense. to happen. Especially so they're going to have to find Freshmen
2: scoring... like Grady Dick and MJ Rice, we usually see those guys take passive. off later in the season, right? Yeah, yeah, early in the season they're more passive. They might not play as many minutes.
0: So they're going to have to get. They're going to have to get points from somewhere. But I, I'm okay if the, if they don't come from McCollar because he is your the guy that you you know they have oh, man, this guy is a is a, a potential conference player of the year candidate. Okay, well, he's the guy that McCuller guards. Mm-hmm.
2: And I will say, like, he he is good on on cuts and and getting in transition and passing the ball that he is still going to be an effective offensive player. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't view him as being the guy who's going to score 17 a game for you this next season. And the big swing skill there is is going to be the shooting, like we said. For his career, he's at, like, 30%. Last year was 30%. We've talked in the past how a lot of that – can be attributed to a couple things. Texas Tech being more clunky on offense. We had Kevin Flaherty on this week, and he talked about how McColler is actually a really good shooter on unguarded shots, but Texas Tech... Does not really maximize your opportunities to get those, especially in comparison to Kansas. Like you're just going to get more open shots. Yeah, being at Kansas with a Bill Self run offense with really good talent around you, so that will help him. the not, The not being injured and playing on, you know, messed up ankles like that could help you offensively as well. Get more lift on your jump shot and things like that. Uh, but yeah, de- defensively, like this guy's special, and, and the Kansas defense overall. Um could be very special next season when you look at it and say dewan harris is a you know all big 12 defensive team candidate uh kevin mcculler is in my eyes the the favorite coming into next year for big 12 defensive player of the year um i don't know what you're gonna get from the center position because we don't know who's gonna play there but let's say you get minutes from ernest dude or zuby edge like everything on those guys coming out of high school is that they could be like shot Blocking rim protectors, right? You could have uh, a big role for KJ Adams, who I think like KJ Adams is a guy who can switch one through five like Kevin McCuller as well. Like this could absolutely be an elite defense next season.
0: Agreed, and I mean you could see some some winning, uh, you know, winning ugly could be (laughs) something that you hear a lot of, which he's a big fan of. Um, So you could see, you know, I would say this this team could still be very good, uh, top ten team, um, but. You may have to kind of adjust your eyes a little bit after watching what we just watched offensively this past year. But I still think this could be a, a, a good team that just has to win a lot of ugly games.
2: I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on if Jalen Wilson comes back, like he has to be the dude offensively, has to be a consistent shooter. Uh, whoever you get at the center position is going to have to consistently score for you. Like, yeah, guys are going to have to step up more and be uh, big-time scorers for this team. That That's certain. Um, and I think beyond that, uh, like, what the impact is, you know, KU technically doesn't have any scholarships open unless Jalen Wilson or Christian Brown go pro. Uh, Bill Self is out at the Combine. He saw how they were performing. This move happens after Bill Self sees the Christian Brown Combine performance yesterday, which was really good. He had another good one today, 17 points for Christian Brown. I, I just can't help but think that, Bill Self sees that. See how he performed after already kind of knowing what you know the the stock and the idea of of what that is for Christian Brown is. Talk to him and, and then go. Okay, Kevin. Yeah, let's pull the trigger. This guy's gone. We have the scholarship. Open. I think that's yeah. That's probably
0: a fair assessment. Um, and and I think so much of it hinges on. I, I'm not saying you know. I think this is more of a an ancillary thing, but still a factor worth noting. Is that they won the national championship, and, and and you know some of those go go hand in hand. That you know them getting to see him play through a national championship probably helped his stock a great deal. But then also the fact that like none of these guys, even even Jalen Wilson, who who in his last since he's left the G League combine and gotten into the NBA combine, his shooting has kind of come back to what it's been or what we what we saw throughout the the season uh, with him in college. Um, but none of these guys should feel like there's unfinished business. No, and, and that like that you can be freer with that mindset. I think.
2: Yeah, and the way I see it, this kind of cements it. It pretty much ends KU's off season to a certain point because I think the expectation still is that Jalen is going to come back. He finished up his second combine scrimmage he's between the two like the two g-league games he killed it seven of 11 from three so far in the two g-league or nba combine games with these players he's just six of 21 from the floor one of seven from three so you wonder if that would propel him back to kansas and if that's the case off season's over like you know yeah you're seen yeah you're right?
0: done you're yeah you're y- unless you get um Unless we hear a news story about... A, a, yeah, I mean, again, buddy, like if Tyrese
2: a, Hunter says he wants to come here, you make it you, happen.
0: You, yeah, right? yes, I, there's that. But I was more thinking like um, if there's another former assistant of Bill Selfs who has a kid who's starting to college, gets a walk-on, you know what sure, I mean? yeah. But as far as main contributors, I think I if I had to make a prediction now, I think what comes out over the next week or so, I guess officially you have 11 more days, no, 12 more days, because May has May has a thirty first day, so about twelve more days. Um, I think the stories we hear. I I'm guessing this isn't reporting. This is me guessing. Um, McCollar and Wilson are are coming to Kansas. Or, uh, Wilson's coming back, and McCollar pulls out and comes to Kansas. I w- and, and Christian Brown stays in the NBA. I'm guessing that's what happened.
2: That's my guess as well. Now, if Jalen does go pro. We can get more into the Tyrese Hunter, Isaiah Mosley, or Courtney Raymer, Ramey, or, or whoever it is uh, kind of talk. But as of right now, this this probably kind of cements the offseason unless that move is made by Jalen Wilson. This is Rock Jock Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout. Brandon McAnderson will join us in about 17 minutes. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, is incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos mascots and moments the kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel including t-shirts hoodies crewnecks and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear plus they re- look really cool and they just released well not just but after the national championship they released a national championship shirt use the code rock chalk sports talk that's rock chalk sports talk all one word and you'll get 15 15 off your first order that's right Code RockShock Sports Talk all one word for fifteen percent off with Home Field Apparel on your first order. Joined now by Brandon McAnderson, a former Jayhawk Orange Bowl winning running back and member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Here on RockShock Sports Talk, going to talk a little KU football, a little NBA playoffs once again with BMac here on your Friday. So uh, KU has added a couple more transfers of late. They have eleven total transfers coming in so far, and I think actually. Seven of them at one point played at Big Ten schools, so I mean you're getting, you know, big time players or, or schools from or, or players from big time schools uh, to a certain extent that you know can hold up at this level. I, I don't I don't know how many transfers you played with when you were at KU, but I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on how long do you think it takes new guys like that who do have college experience and in a lot of their cases, like I said, like successful college experience. But just not experience with this system, or not experience with this staff, like how long does it usually take those guys to maybe fully come around and, and hit their stride?
3: So junior college was more of my experience with transfers, and some of those guys were you know Division one bounce backs, had a couple guys from Minnesota, that sort of thing. Um, I think it just takes that that summer because basically what they need to do is get familiar with the system familiar with the role and responsibilities they're asking to be executed. And then they don't have that secondary readjustment to where the game's a little faster, the people are a little stronger. They get to skip that step because they've already experienced it. So they're able to hit the ground running and contribute, you know, guys like Charlton Keith, who was first team, all big 12, Jamal Ashley, second team, all big 12, Eric Washington, who got had a great start before an injury. So some of those guys are just ready to step in because of their experience
2: the uh, NCAA passed a, a rule change with scholarships in the past it had been you, you only have a 25 man limit per season and this is only for the next two seasons so who knows maybe this is a trial run maybe it does become more of a long term thing uh but that you know they can just you just have your scholarship numbers it's like basketball you have your your set amount every year it's 85 in football and you know if you have to bring on 30 guys one year if you have to bring on 20 guys another year whatever it is just just fill out your scholarships Uh, How much do you think uh, the change of of that rule could help KU?
3: Well, I think it'll help because we are the type of team that depth is always going to be something that we need. You know, sometimes you have and that's just part of football, you know, injuries and transfers and, you know, guys not uh, performing to the year to their abilities. You're going to want additional players to fill those roles and that's not been the case and for a team like you know in Alabama or Texas A&M since they're both in the news <laughs> you know they don't have that issue because they got four and five stars behind them you know at a place like Kansas you have more long-term prospects um, so that depth is important you need people there either learning to play or ready to play and that uh, moving that scholarship limit up as a 85 total will help Kansas as a whole, just maybe in practice, player development, whatever the case may be.
2: I'm very curious how it affects the NCAA as a whole. Um, You could convince me that because of this, that, you know, those schools, like you mentioned, Alabama and Texas A&M and stuff, that they might just – because on on a normal year, if, you know, they have 25 kids who are committed to them from the high school ranks, for instance, you know, all those kids are probably going to be four stars and five stars, and they'll have a couple, like, three stars mixed in there. Um and that there are certain guys where it's essentially like a game with some of those schools of, hey we're recruiting you, we're recruiting this other guy at your position. Whichever you commits to us first is getting the spot because we only have a certain amount of scholarships that we're going to allot to each position or something like that. Now because of that, I, I do wonder if that goes away and they just, you know, like if you're in Alabama you say, you know what, if we're over scholarshipped on, on receivers, like who cares? We're just taking all the best players. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have more of these best players going to these top schools that it's already happening but even more so but then there's going to be a bounce back effect from that as well where because more of them are going to those schools then you're going to have more transfers coming out of that school and it's just going to kind of stoke the fire in the transfer portal even more because it's going to be even harder to get on the field in those situations and I don't know. Maybe that's something that helps Ku too, because maybe they could be, as they are, so active in the transfer portal. You find yourself uh, in control with with some more of those transfers that you know were higher end players that maybe would have gone to a you know twelfth ranked team in the country as opposed to going Alabama, but now because of those rules, goes there and has to bounce back and transfer somewhere else.
3: Yeah, I think we always have a pessimistic outlook on all this stuff. And I think that's college football's fault, you know, and the NCAA's fault. But we see these scenarios and we're thinking, oh, this is going to be bad for a point. This is going to be bad for this. This is going to be bad for that. But what NIL is showing us is that it's good. <laughs> it's going to spread competition. There's going to be people that want to go to a place where they can be stars. Now, they'll start somewhere, right? maybe they'll get recruited by LSU and they'll go to LSU and maybe they'll be not in the too deep. Maybe they don't like the situation. Maybe they don't like the system fit as much as they would have imagined. Now they're looking for a school to go to. So someone like Kane Williams, who picked Nebraska this week, he's an Alabama four-star high school recruit, goes to Alabama, he's probably not even in the three d doesn't see a, a way to get there, especially with the way that they recruit year after year, so he says, yeah, I'm going to move on. I'm going to visit a place like Kansas without the without NIL as a possibility and without the transfer portal as a possibility. Kane Williams doesn't know where Kansas is. So I think what it does for us is it helps and it, what it does for the country as a whole in terms of college football is it helps even out who's who and what's what. Obviously, there's going to be places that just have a superior amount of resources, places like Texas, places like USC, who are just willing to burn as much money as possible to get the players that they want. But to me, what that does is open up the possibility for everyone to make a little bit of money or maybe a lot of money. But I think it just opens a possibility that, oh, okay, I can go to. Texas Tech and maybe make some money I could go to Pittsburgh and maybe make some money so I think it's in the long run it's just going to spread talent more than it is now because talent isn't spread at all as we as it stands down uh,
2: there's been a lot of talk about the local recruiting and and you know what's going on there uh, with the the staff and the, the state and and how that works especially with the big class in 2023 um and I asked this this question yesterday I just think it's a very fascinating interesting question I, I know where I sit on this but I'm curious what do you think, because obviously we know like at the end of the day as you're adding on all these transfers and stuff, you, you still need to have a backbone in the state and and be able to recruit your home state well. Um, but what do you think has a, a bigger impact on the state of Kansas in-state recruiting for KU in the future? So by future, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk like classes 2025 and on, so a couple years down the road. What do you think has a bigger impact? Would it be landing a bunch of these local kids like right now and having them be on KU teams that win three or four games playing significant roles? Or would it be building your team with transfers right now, making a bowl game and seeing the effects of you know the positivity around the program of making the bowl game, even though it's not all with local kids?
3: I think of it I think of it more like brand specific. I think where Kansas stands, they've got to put in extra hours, they've got to cut costs on materials. They've got to maybe get a used machine. You know, maybe I'm thinking like textiles or, you know, or, or, or making a clothing line or something. Kansas is going to have to use every resource at its disposal, where a place like Texas is just going to be able to be very straightforward and say, Hey, you want to play here and make some money? Kansas is going to be more like, yeah. Um. We're not going to be able to provide those resources for you up front, but what you will have is the opportunity to play Big 12 football, to start, and those opportunities have the potential to bring you some earning potential, have the potential to build you an NFL career, because I think part of this is we are so caught up in the NIL and the numbers, and I think, once again, I don't blame anybody for that. I think it's kind of how we've been wired to enjoy college football. But we're caught up in that part. But the longevity and the dream is not to make a little bit of money while playing college football. The dream is always to play pro football. That's always the dream for everyone that gets to this level. Kansas still provides a lot of those opportunities. And the way I think about it is, is, yes, we want to recruit our state. And we're looking at this 2023 class that's completely loaded. But you build your loyalty and relationships to the 2023 class when they're sophomores. This coaching staff was not in place when they were sophomores, especially for some of these big time guys who have the Alabamas and the Oregons, you know, rolling in. So I think it's going to be harder to build that foundation, but I don't think we should be hyper-focused on losing in-state recruiting battles. We need to be focused on building the team however we can to get the best players in the field so that we can start winning. Because the elephant in the room that's not so silent is that, the, is that, Conference significance is going to change quickly. With NIL and with the way everything is looking, people, there's already some murmurs. And you know that people in those positions know well before we know. So, you know, that Texas-Oklahoma move to SEC kind of was the indicator that something's going to change. Kansas needs to start winning football games that they want to be, you know, an attractive, uh, option for, for a conference like the Big Ten, which is obviously what everybody wants. So it's not a matter of let's make sure that we have 20 in-state kids in our 2D. It's about winning. <laughs> we need to win. We need to be competitive. And I think that takes precedent over any of it. And then honestly, if you want to talk about recruiting, high school recruiting in, in many ways is selling a future. It's selling a dream. You know, you're selling it to somebody that can't imagine what it might be like. And you're saying, look, I could see you here, here, and here. But when you're recruiting the transfer portal, you're recruiting the right now. You're saying, look, this is a program that has some stability and we have some holes and we would like you to come in here and fill them and help us win some football games. I think that the transfer portal in many ways is a harder sell in terms of what your program represents. For Kansas to be out here getting the caliber of players that they are, and the numbers that they are speaks volumes to where they are in the eyes of these recruits. These recruits aren't looking at Kansas and saying, one day we're going to win a bowl game. They're looking at Kansas and saying, I can go here and compete for a bowl game right now. I can play right now and I have a chance to win. It, it feels different. I think that says, speaks volumes about what they're doing in the recruiting game, that they're recruiting men who know what college football is that aren't selling a the dream. They're selling them on the right now.
2: I think that's perfectly put. Uh, We're talking with Brandon McAnderson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Okay, some NBA playoff talk. Uh, Probably wish that that you were talking to us after game one of the NBA playoffs with the Celtics win big last night in game two to even the series. Uh, Thoughts early on 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 how the series has gone and uh, what is your, I guess, confidence level that the Heat can come through against the Celtics?
3: So I'm not very confident, mostly because the strength of the Celtics is that they don't have a defensive wink link to attach throughout their top six. Now, when you get to their seventh and eighth players, yeah, that's you do have some some weak links you can attack, but you're not going to get to the seventh and eighth player as often in a playoff series because they're going to play less. So I do wonder about their ability to score. I, I love Spolstra, and I love their the adaptability of their roster. I love what Jimmy Butler does, but I think the Celtics have proven that they are the team with the way that they play defense. I think they held the Bucks to 99 points per 100 possessions, which is 90s-level defense. So if you're going to beat the Celtics, you can't let them make threes. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Every The two games that they've made threes in the playoffs have been – laughers and last night was an example of that because they play such good defense if they make threes they're, they're gonna win a championship in any series so I think that's not a good thing for them but I do think they still have the physicality edge uh, as much as I like Ime Yudoka I still give Spolster the coaching edge but I do like the flexibility of the Celtics roster more I do like that they have a little bit more options and they just don't have a defensive link they're a strong defensive team.
2: It's it, it's really tough for me when you see, you know, Bam Adebayo. He has 10 points in the first game, 6 in the second game. So you're talking about all-star player who has 16 in the first two games against a team who, you know, in the first game we did see a lot of Robert Williams in the traditional center look. But in the second game we saw more of the small ball five with a lot of, like, Grant Williams from the Celtics. And, you know, on one hand it, it makes it tough because you stretch the floor with with five guys, though Bam is very mobile and, and very capable of defending on the perimeter as, as far as centers go but I, I feel like that that has to be an area for the Heat to be able to attack if they're playing a small ball five like Bam Adebayo has to be able to kind of get his and, and provide something for them there so I guess like what do you think is more important for the Heat to to try to steal one on the road in Boston and try to win the series is it more important to get him going or is it more important for Kyle Lowry to be back?
3: Tough. i think lowry just does all these tiny things that help you win basketball games so i do think it's important to get him back however i don't think bam has been very good in in the playoffs i mean beyond the beyond the i'm consistently good let me rephrase it i think he's had high highs but i didn't think he was very good in game one other than that first in the third quarter he looks a little disconnected defensively i was listening to a podcast where Scalabrini said. Scalabrini uh, Grant Williams and Bam Adebayo have history dating back to high school to where Grant Williams wore him out a lot and he's very confident against him. Um, I think that they do need Bam to be more of an offensive player, especially with their lack of uh, individual options to create offense. I'd like to see him get more touches against Grant Williams. You saw when the Sixers or without Embiid, he was a guy that went over 20 points multiple times. And I think the Heat will make that adjustment and it's going to be imperative that they get scoring from other places and not just one game. Consistent scoring and they need that across the board because they don't other than Jimmy Butler, they don't they aren't collectively good enough on offense to sustain consistent scoring against a team like the Celtics just because they're so good on the perimeter and they're so good at switching on defense.
2: The other side of the series, the Warriors-Mavs game two coming up tonight. Warriors though took game one pretty handedly. I just as I look at this series, it, it's very hard for me, and and I get it. Like Luka Doncic has been unreal, um, but like I I look at the Mavericks, and you know with, with Tim Hardaway struggling with injury and stuff, and and even if he is back, if you're talking about the Mavericks' third best player, and you're you're saying it's it's Tim Hardaway or Spencer Dinwiddie or Dorian Finney-Smith. And you just compare that across for the, the Warriors where it's like, yeah, but they have Steph and Clay and Draymond and, and Jordan Poole looks great. And Andrew Wiggins, if he's their fourth or fifth best player, like he, he was still an all-star this year. Um, I, I just have such a tough time seeing the Mavs finding a way to actually win this series. This just this feels more to me like like the Mavericks were kind of the, like, I, I guess Luka just carried them to this far, but I, I don't know how much further he can get them.
3: I, I agree with you in some ways, and I disagree with you in others. I think the Warriors are so used to winning that they have a level that they can get to in terms of executing their game plan that the Mavericks aren't used to seeing. But I'll remind you that the Grizzlies, in the same way, uglied up and muddied up games in Memphis and made the series close. I do think that's going to be the case. I think the Warriors are win in But I I think that the Mavs will shift the series once it gets back to Dallas and their role players are comfortable at home. And I do think they'll win both games. And then that game five will be when the series starts. I – what I liked about what the Warriors did was they played really fast and it took the Mavericks out of what they're used to playing more methodical. And the other thing that Wiggins is really the wild card. Wiggins is held up even in game one, held up much better than Mikel Bridges in terms of being able to corral that ball handler. Even though you would, most people would say Bridges is a better defender. Wiggins was just better. And the other thing that Wiggins can do is score. You know, he's not like a, he's not a number one pick you usually associate with scoring, but the guy's averaged 20 points a game in the league for a long time. And what you saw was he doesn't need a screen or he doesn't need you to even run offense for him to take advantage of Luca. He just needs to catch it. And once he did, Luka had a lot of trouble guarding him on straight line drives. He had a lot of trouble guarding him on closeouts. I don't see where that's going to change. And then the third part that I'm really not optimistic about for the Mavericks is that they play small. And that's how that those are their best lineups with uh, Maxi Kleber at the five, and it's just been proven that the Warriors are the team that cannot be out small ball, and it's mostly because Draymond can play point guard and guard Brunson, and still be functionally a power forward center on defense. Was what what's what happened in Game One? He played true point guard on offense. He basically played true point guard on defense by guarding Brunson and kind of taking away his bang and turnaround. Post game, which he feasts on small guards. Now he's going against a six five forward version of himself. So I think the Warriors have the matchups in their favor. I do think the series will get interesting and muddy in the middle, uh, but I think the Warriors have a little bit too much.
2: Yeah, I got it in five. I just, I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. But Luca is that good. I, I guess this might be a tough question off the top of your head without any preparation. Um, if you had to put out a list of the the top five players. Among the teams that are left, what would be your top five? Ooh, so
3: top five, so I would go Tatum one, because of his two way ability. I think he's just been
2: crazy good. Oh, I yeah, go I think Jimmy that's Butler
3: fair. Two, for the same reason. And then I go Luca three, and only because I think Luke is still susceptible to being kind of taken advantage of on defense. And when I look at, uh, I think the Celtics will advance. So if I look at the Celtics and the Warriors. In those matchups, Luca has tough matchups across the board. They have people that can play offense. He doesn't have the ability to just hide. So I, I would put him at three. And then number four, I'd probably go someone like Jalen Brown. Just Even over he's Steph. Consistent. He's just a dangerous player. Um, man, at number five, I'd go Steph Curry.
2: Well, I mean, makes it sound like the Celtics have the way to the title. Yeah. Um... That's certainly the case with their defense and, and how they've been figuring out. Which would be so nice for them because you know it's just been it's been such a tough ride for Boston sports fans over the years.
3: Oh man, they just had such a tough time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would think the one thing I am intrigued about is a. I think it'll be Warrior Celtics, but a, a Celtics Mavs would be interesting in that. When's the last time the NBA has had two pre prime superstars playing for a championship? I mean, it's been a long time. It probably back maybe that first uh, magic bird series, they were probably both, you know, less than 27, 28 years old, but you look at Tatum and you look at Luca, these guys are not at prime age yet. If they're able to win a championship pre-prime, I think that's just speaks volumes for the league in that, you know, the warriors are the warriors. So they have their own label. They're a real dynasty, but if the Celtics win this championship before, you know, Tatum's even 25, 26 years old, I think that's really good for the league, that the team was built organically and that the team is young-ish and they're mostly drafted players. Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I mean, even Horford has some history even predating uh, this recent stint with the Celtics. So they're very homegrown. Pritchard, I think the Celtics winning would be the best thing for the NBA because it's kind of that uh, Toronto formula, even less the uh, Kawhi Leonard piece.
2: He is Brandon McAnderson of the Jayhawk Radio Network, former Orange Bowl winning running back. B Mac, appreciate you hopping on on Friday, as always, man. Thanks for having me. That was Brandon McAnderson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCSD trivia here. On KLWN, once again, trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, our title sponsor, where you can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering from the outdoor patio to the Bill Soft Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, and the 23rd Street Bre- Brewery Beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers, plenty, plenty of great stuff at the brewery. Also, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. Both of you guys have amassed a good amount of... Awards so far to this point as we have our third place matchup with the three seed and the winner of the South Region, Justin Nichols, and the 14 seed and the winner of the West Region in Ryan Brown going for one more prize. We've got another $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery up for grabs in this one because every round you advance you get another $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery. And I believe that would uh, bring the total up to $125 of 23rd Street Brewery gift cards for who, whichever one of you wins this uh, this matchup. So start with you, Justin. Do you have a favorite menu item on the 23rd Street Brewery menu?
1: Man, you know, they have so many good things there. Um, I don't have a particular favorite. I haven't been since last football season, so it's been a while since I've seen the uh, – Seen the menu, but I know they have a good burger there. Uh, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed that before, so that that'd probably be the call. Get the
2: Hank Booth burger. Uh Hank Booth, a KLWN legend, so to speak. Ryan, do you have a favorite 23rd Street Brewery menu item?
4: Yeah, I like the um mac and cheese with the um chicken fingers on it. Is that the Bill Self?
2: Bill Self, baby. Um, yeah. Yep. Can never go wrong Very with the Bill Self. Yeah. Well, who cares? Calories don't count when you're uh eating for free, which you guys are gonna be for uh, 23rd street brewery. Uh so I got to ask uh, Justin obviously you fall in the phenomenal 4 and and fell short to Tyler there. Um what is it like? Like what are the emotions coming in the third place game? Do you just feel like there's not as much pressure? Like it's not as much to worry about. This is just more for the the pride and, and the fun of the game.
1: Yeah, we're just playing for fun at this point as far as I'm concerned. I'm I, I was just saying before we went on the that- Hopefully we won't embarrass ourselves as badly as we did and get more than one question right today. I I was disappointed that I didn't do better in the last matchup, so now I'm hoping to redeem myself a little bit and and restore the pride a little bit in myself. I'm sure Ryan's thinking the same thing.
2: Well, Ryan, yeah, I'll I'll echo that same sentiment and the same question to you. Uh, What are your thoughts kind of coming into this one, coming off a phenomenal four loss earlier this week?
4: I was, uh, more disappointed than I thought I was going to be actually like the rest of the day. I was just kind of shaking my head and muttering Purdue underneath my <laughs> breath. Um, I don't know. This just kind of feels like the pro bowl or something to me. <clears throat> well, Relax at least and have fun,
2: you know? Yeah. But, but there is at least another, uh, little prize on the line for you there and, and to, you know, give out more, uh, more pride and if this was the pro bowl then derek would be launching water
0: balloons at unsuspecting guests yeah. at the hotel um, which is a story you guys have never heard uh,
2: that's uh, wrong story uh right sentiment wrong story oh okay. okay um anyway um ryan um i guess for you uh coming off that question we addressed this afterwards that you know we had a bit of a, a misnomer in the question so we apologized to that um, but who knows? Maybe we'll get you back on your winning ways. And also up for grabs today, we we give all the one seeds to you guys, so the phenomenal four contestants coming back for next week and or, or for next season. And um, whoever wins this would get the third overall number one seed, whereas the other would get the fourth, which would mean you line up to play the, the champion. So, you know, you could argue that the seeding matters a little bit as well. Uh, but with that said, I got nothing else for you guys. Let's get into our trivia questions. You both ready?
1: Yep. Yep.
2: And, Ryan, you are the lower seeds. You have the option. Do you want to go first or go second?
4: Um, going second failed me last time, but I'm going to stick with it.
2: All right. Second it is. That means, Justin, you're up first. We're going to double down in all our categories. First up in the easy column for you, Justin. Behind 22 points and eight rebounds out of Andrew Wiggins, what team with Jabari Parker did Kansas beat in the 2013 Champions Classic 94-83? to Dude.
0: The very first champions classic victory for Kansas. They were 0 2 headed into that game.
2: Mm, and that one was a fun one. Okay, Ryan, for you. Wiggins was actually second on KU in that game in points. What sophomore power forward wearing the number 34 led the way with 24 points? Um Perry Ellis? Yep. He was a sophomore power forward, and he wore the number 34. But, you know, it's not as fun to talk about the headline of Perry Ellis scoring 24. At, you know, but isn't that, in the isn't battle of that freshmen, just right? Perfect
0: Perry <laughs> Ellis, though. Like, yeah. under the radar, not talked about him a bunch,
2: but just, yeah, 24 points. Yep. Okay, back to you, Justin. In a precursor of the national title game, Kansas lost their second game of the 2011-2012 regular season. 75 to 65 in Madison Square Garden to what team? Kentucky. Yep. The very first champions classic. The inaugural, as it were. Yeah, uh, that was that was kind of the coming out party for that Kentucky team. People thought they'd be really good because they had all the top recruits, and turns out they were. Okay, on to you, Ryan. Despite trailing by 12 at halftime, Kansas beat what big 12 opponent? 87 to 86 in overtime near the end of that same 2011-2012 season? Uh, Missouri. Yep. That was a fun day. It was. That one a lot more fun than the Kentucky one, that's for sure. All right, on to the medium round of questions. Back to you, Justin. What seed was Kansas in the 2013 NCAA tournament in which they lost in the Sweet 16?
1: They were a seed.
2: Yep. Should have gone further, but the Michigan game happened. I take full responsibility for that
0: loss. I took my laptop to work that night to watch the game, and uh, Kansas was up. Oh, I forgot to bring my cord with me, and uh, Kansas was up. The battery ran out, <laughs> and the battery then ran out on
2: Kansas. Yes, it did. Uh, all right, Ryan, on to you. What seed was Kansas in the 2014 NCAA tournament in which they lost in the second round?
4: No idea what seeds KU has in any year. So I'm going to guess. um, Seems like they're one seed a lot. Let's guess one.
2: Correct answer is two seed. Kansas was a two seed in that 2014 NCAA tournament. So a uh, another relatively quick one for us here in our phenomenal four action. Justin, congratulations. You're our third place winner. Does this take away Thank any you. of the sting of uh losing in the phenomenal four?
1: Uh you know, maybe a little bit. Um I know the uh jersey numbers and seed numbers and those types of things aren't necessarily Ryan's thing. Um and so uh just kind of bad luck for him on what he got asked. Um but but you know, it's it's nice to nice to win i can hold this over ryan's head now so that's good
2: <laughs> well ryan um falling short here it, you said this is more like the pro bowl so i'm guessing you won't feel as as disappointed with this performance as, as the last one
4: oh no no not at all um you could ask me that question every day for the next week and i still probably would guess one each time so uh i don't feel too bad
0: that's not a bad philosophy, to be honest. I mean, it's it's really it's kind of like you
2: know it should be top four with Bill Sell. Yeah, right?
0: um, that's that's the thing, and it's it's kind of like in, if if you're not sure about a player in the '80s,
2: just say Danny Manning. <laughs> it won't always be right, but it's going to be right a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm curious from both of you guys' perspective. Justin will start with you. Uh, who do you think? Who? What's your pick? I'm going to put you on record for the title game uh, next week between Eric and and Tyler.
1: I mean. Tyler has been pretty dominant so far. Uh, so is, I mean, so is Eric. Uh I'm I'd like to think that I lost to the champions. So I'm going to go with Tyler. Um, but uh, I think it'll probably be a heck of a matchup. It'll be one of those, you know, 13 or 14 questions in, and they're both uh, you know, they're both sweating it out out there. That would be my guess. Ryan, do you have a pick?
4: I'm going to go with Tyler as well. I think mm. he's got a little, um, more to play for, so
2: to speak. You have a little ammunition to our defending champ in Eric. Well, let me run through real quick all the prizes that you guys have gotten um, to, for getting to this point. Uh, you have each received four $25 gift cards or, or will by the time you come pick them up uh, to the 23rd Street Brewery for Justin. Five of them for you. RCST Trivia T-shirt, voucher for a free sandwich and breakfast sandwich at McDonald's. $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence. $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros. Thanks to Kirk Geyser State Farm. A voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mr. D's Auto Wash. Some home field apparel gear, thanks to Pella doors and windows. $30 of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchuck.io. Auto entrance into Trivia next year. A one seed into Trivia next year. Phenomenal Four Trophy. Phenomenal, or a uh, RCST engraved water bottle from Jayhawk Trophy. An RCST hat with a Phenomenal Four logo on it. Justin, favorite prize among uh, everything that I just listed?
1: Well, I. You know, I'm sitting here right now wearing my my uh, home field apparel T-shirt. It's a pretty great shirt. Um, pretty excited to to have gotten that. So that's that's probably going to be the the one. It's it'll stick around longer than the food will.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and you can use code Rock Sports Talk, all one word, to get 15 percent off your first order with Home Field Apparel. Thanks to uh, Pella Doors and Windows. Uh, Ryan, what about you? What is your, the favorite prize that uh, you're going to be collecting here?
4: Um, I'm kind of, uh, excited about the hat,
2: mm-hmm. frankly,
4: you know, with this, with the phenomenal four uh, um, notation on it.
2: That's mm-hmm. a
0: solid conversation piece. Cause it, you know, like there's, no, le- you get there's only four of those in
2: existence. I think we have we have ten officially, but we're giving away four. I'll oh, probably okay. take one. I don't know what we'll do with the rest. Maybe we'll save one oh, well, next year. Well, if you have got one, I'm taking one then. Well, I didn't realize there were extras. I think. I don't know for sure. Anyway. I'm
0: employed here for seven more days, man. <laughs> well,
2: yeah. If they're here by then, I don't, I don't know. I think the shipment should come in in the next couple of days. Okay. Uh, well, Justin, congratulations again on winning third place in RCST Trivia. You're only the third person ever to do that. And Ryan... I know it didn't end the way you wanted to, but Phenomenal 4, you get the trophy. You can uh, officially hang up a banner at your home. Thank you,
1: guys. Thanks, guys.
2: That was fun. I mean, you know, didn't uh, we still... We we
0: now have one match left to see if we're getting into the really hard round. Will we get to the hard round? That's the thing. The we haven't even now. gotten to the hard since the Phenomenal 4. Now, Justin did seem... Um, Justin did seem pretty confident that they were when he say 13 or 14 questions in mm-hmm. um so he seems confident it's going to get into that that epic territory which I would love especially if they get that many questions in and they're getting them all correct um that would be fantastic so um maybe but but so far it's been I don't know you know it's kind of like when a team has a great run and then come final four they're they're Doinking threes, and it's you know you think, is it because they're in the big football stadium and the depth perceptions off? or <laughs> That's what it is. is this, this is just the because... equivalent, we have like a football dome around them <laughs> or
2: something.
0: <laughs> or is it just because their legs are tired? What's going on? But hey, um, it's like we said last week, it, when you get to this round, it doesn't matter what level of question you go out on, you're, nobody's doubting how good you are. Now, yeah. maybe, even if Ryan has said all along, you just... <laughs> It was all about just not getting out, not getting the first question wrong in the first round. He has, uh, in spite of himself, proven that he's pretty damn good with Jayhawk trivia, and so is Justin.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough for Ryan, too, because he was undefeated entering the Phenomenal Four, and then he missed two medium questions that got him out there. So we've still not been out of the medium round through our two Phenomenal Four in the third-place matchups, but I do get the good feeling, at least I really hope, that we can get out of there with Eric and Tyler. That matchup coming up. On Wednesday, we're going to talk more about that uh, and some NBA playoffs also, coming up. Also,
0: real quick, mm-hmm. Eric and Tyler, if you're listening, I rarely give answers away, but I'm going to tell you this. When Derek asks what your favorite uh, prize is, the answer we're looking for is the fun you had along the way.
2: Mm, yeah. Just meeting other people. just Yeah. Uh, seeing, looking into the, the ad- eyes the of, adventure, of the, the RCST hosts. The that's journey. The yeah. The
0: journey. That's that's what we're looking for. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, there is there is a right and wrong answer. That is the right answer. Right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back in to Rock Shock Sports Talk here on KLWN and klwn.com. We're going to be joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But let's go ahead and get into our segment now. The stock market closing bell. Ring the bell. All right. The stock market officially closed for the week. Here's what's up. Here's what's down in the sports world. Stock is up on the National League designated hitter rule. You know, this is, uh, if you're a baseball purist, uh, you hate this. If uh, You're also probably 120. No, I mean, I I know people who are, you know, around my age or I don't know, for a while, like, I had been kind of anti-DH. I kind of came around to it on the uh, the shortened season because we got to experiment with it, and it was kind of nice. Me,
0: let, me put the, let, let me put it this. 120 at least in your soul, and I don't necessarily <laughs> mean that as an insult. I am a guy who loves a cof, cup of coffee and a nice, cozy pair of slippers. So I have some things about me that are very much an old man trait. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean that as an insult, but I just think that... The the getting up up not uptight isn't the right word, but having a strong opinion about whether or not there's a, a DH in the National League feels like something that an old soul might da- might do.
2: That's fair. Um, so you know it, it's ratified, passed, whatever you want to say, uh, and that's been the case so far this season that they're playing with the designated hitter. And the stock is up on it because of the fact of what it has done. So offense has already been down to begin with in the MLB this year. It'd be down even more if there <laughs> was uh, an automatic out at the bottom of the order. But more importantly, um, this is creating opportunities for the stars of the game to play more games. So like, there's a report Michael Conforto, who is, I don't know, one of the top 25 maybe free agents, who was available this offseason, didn't end up signing with anyone because he... It came out he had to get like shoulder surgery or some sort of surgery that um, kept him out for pretty much most of the season. There's a report from his agent, Scott Boris, to take that with a grain of salt, that he could be ready to go by maybe the last month or two of the season to just hit. He wouldn't be able to throw, but he could just hit. Mm -hmm. Well, now that there's the DH, like that becomes a a viable source. And so the guy who is experienced in that right now, Bryce Harper, is probably one of the five most recognizable. Players in the MLB. If you just ask, like a neutral yeah, I, I would sports fan,
0: he—I may even put him like second behind Harper yeah. or uh,
2: behind Trout. I mean, but even then, like Mike Trout is not like—he's like, not he, as marketed. He, is, no, as he's, Bryce right, Harper. he's not, and that's kind of just his personality. Bryce yeah. Harper is more flair. He did win the MVP last year. Yep. people have known about him since he was what, like fifteen years yeah, old? Cover of SI, yeah. fifteen or sixteen. So he is one of the most recognizable names in baseball, and he. Um, injured his like ucl or something in his shoulder he can't throw for six weeks if he was still or if the the dh was not passed in the national league he'd be worthless he'd be he, they just have to uh put him on the il yeah because he couldn't play yeah you know, unless you wanted him as a pinch hitter but you're not going to use that guy on your bench you're not going to use a bench spot on that guy so he'd have to be injured he'd have to be out now he can keep playing he can dh he can continue to play and like the quality, the, the, the importance of that to baseball that is trying to get back in the good graces, I, I think, with sports fans and, and trying to, you know, grow their product. They've kind of plateaued, so to speak, in, in terms of where the league has gone. Having rules like that that let the stars play more so that when people go out to the ballpark, they see the star more often. Like, that, that's pretty important.
0: I agree. I would say, uh, now, Zach Greinke, now obviously he was with the Astros before the Royals, so he had been back in the AL um since leaving the Royals I think he had a stint with the Angels too but do you think if they hadn't made that rule he would have signed it was one year 13 million that he signed with the Royals do you think he would have insisted on going to an NL team if they hadn't instituted the DH in the National League
2: maybe i i think if he didn't i think part of the the contract stipulation with the Royals would have been you have to DH me one game that's fair yeah you know one if we're one play, game when we're playing the Amer- or, i'm sorry uh when we're playing the Amer or the National League yeah. team, you have to – not DH me. You just have to let me hit. Yep. Um, now, we did see – like, I remember a time where the Giants let Madison Bumgarner DH a game against the A's. So I wonder if he could
0: I- – I mean, look, it's no – Okay, honest Sho- question. Shohei Otani's been doing it this whole time. Uh, I still think with Otani I – mean, we'll see. I don't want to say definitively, but it'll be an interesting experiment with Otani to see if he – runs out of gas quickly and has to just do pick one or the other. But for the time being, it's, I, I think there might be, you know, room for more, more guys to do what he's doing.
2: Um, if I said hypothetically that Zach Granke was going to, he's just like, Hey, I'm done pitching. I just want to be a hitter for you, which he almost did the opposite, right? Coming up. But let's say he said, I just want to be a hitter for the rest of this season. And you gave him every day at bats. So he's getting every day repetition and practice and, and everything. Would he put up better numbers than Ryan O'Hearn? Well, yeah, I would say it was right. Is, o- is O'Hearn at the uh, Mendoza line yet? Let's see. Ryan O'Hearn, so far on the season, has played in 19 games. He is hitting 167 so no. with a 225 on base percentage, a 475 OPS. For his career, Ryan O'Hearn is at a 685 OPS, but a lot of that is booned by his first 44 games when he first came up. He had a 950 OPS. His last uh, four years of baseball, 650, 604, 636, 475. Out of comparison, we talked about this before, OPS plus 100 means you're an average hitter. Mm-hmm. 69, 65, 71, 39 are the rates for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say, look, I think Grinky has touch. Like, I, I think he just has... I think there's something about just if you have great hand eye coordination, then if you get you know, if you get to spend an entire year working on something, um, I think yeah, he could be serviceable with it for sure.
2: Zach Granke career batting average two twenty five. Ryan O'Hearn career batting average two thirteen. So I, I think and and again that's to your point, like without getting everyday repetition. I will actually say yes on that. Uh, that's crazy. You yeah, wouldn't have I, as I, much power, but no, get more no contact. No,
0: yeah, you're getting, you're not getting a high slug percentage mm-hmm. with Grinky.
2: No. Okay. Uh, next up, stock is down on divisions. Um, the Pac-12 is getting rid of divisions. This is a new rule that was passed from the NCAA in news today. The Mountain West will also be getting rid of divisions. That coming in 2023. So. Divisions, no more, which is going to be interesting on its own for a couple of reasons. One, um, if that continues to be the path and, and the the precedent that gets put forward by these schools now, there's been all this talk about, well, will the Big 12 go back to divisions once they add Houston and UCF and BYU and, and Cincinnati next year? And now it feels like, based on these other ones, it's like, well, nobody else is doing it. Why should we? I hope they do, though, because the I, I don't like this. I don't like I don't like the idea that you know in the Pac-12. Obviously, there's 12 teams, right? That means in a 12 game season for football, you're not going to play 11 of your games against conference opponents and play everyone. Yeah, you're gonna play eight or nine of them, which means that in theory, the team who gets because the top two get taken to the Pac-12 championship, uh, the guy uh, the team who finishes in second place could have the same record as the team who finishes in third place, but they win some tiebreaker because they never played, and, and I don't know what the tiebreaker That's the would thing. be. yeah. Even though the team who was in second, what if they didn't have to play the number one team that year and the team yeah. who was in third did, did and they lost. And they lost to him. Yeah, look, it's, I prefer divisions. I think it's a more,
0: you're always going to have reasons why, why one team has an advantage over another. Um, maybe one division was more friendly that year. The home and away works out. Whatever it is. But the more you go with these conferences getting bigger and bigger, um, uh, you know, so I'm I'm sure if they want to keep up, the other the Pac-12 and Big 12 are going to have to go to 14. Uh, I still think the SEC and and Big Ten they're not done plucking. Um, so look, I just think I think divisions is just a better way to go. It it, it assures you definitive rivalries, um, and, and and I don't know, I just. I like when you don't have, you know, you don't have to go in this long list of, of tiebreakers um, of of who makes it to the conference championship. Game. You're going to run into years where Texas slaughters a seven and five Colorado team in the Big Twelve championship. That happens, um, but I just I don't know. I like divisions. Maybe it's just because I'm used, you know, until the breakup, I was used to the Big Twelve having divisions. So maybe I like it just because that's what I was used to. But I don't know. I just prefer it.
2: I agree. I like the divisions better. Uh, The one case in which I'd be fine getting rid of it, I would like to implore the AFC to get rid of divisions so that the Jets, Jaguars, and Texans can be passed around evenly and the Chiefs no longer have to be in this uh, loaded AFC. That's fair. Okay. We're good on that. All right, next one. Stock is up on college football as a whole. Uh, The battle between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban winning all the headlines right now. You know, you go to ESPN or you go to whatever sports site, it's not the NHL playoffs or whatever's happened in the MLB, it's Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban. Like, that is the storyline. So they're winning headlines in the offseason, but also um, Jordan Addison transfers from Pittsburgh to USC, which on its own, like, I don't know, maybe that's not winning for college football and it stinks for Pittsburgh, but that is very much a big win for USC, who already got Caleb Williams. Jordan Addison was the Balitnikov winner last season, helped Pittsburgh win an ACC title. If USC I mean, had is back, that with- is... Had that, a lot
0: to do with Kenny Pickett. Yeah, say. yeah.
2: Uh, if USC is back to being really good with with Lincoln Riley and all these guys now that they're adding on, like that is great for the sport.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think there are certain programs in every sport at the college level and at the pro level. There are certain programs and franchises that when they're good, I think the sport is better. And I think USC is one of those for college football.
2: And then we're also getting to that time of year in a couple weeks where like the college football magazines are going to start coming out. That's a big thing. So Athlon
0: Sports and Mm -hmm. all those fun ones.
2: Yeah, stocks up on college football. How about the stock being up? A lot of of stocks up today. Uh, I guess I'm in a good mood. Stocks up on NHL playoffs. Love watching it. everybody always says the cliche it's a blast. playoff hockey so great. You tuned me into the one game the other day that um, Calgary beat Edmonton nine to six, unbelievable. That was crazy. I started watching it. I was um,
0: I can't even remember what was on. I was watching just something on TV and I I opened my phone and see what are some scores going on, and at that point I think it was the second period and it was six to four. Calgary and I was in the second and I was like, all right, this could be fun. And then I kind of thought, all right, it's already six to four. Is all the scoring over? <laughs> Is that gonna be the final? And then almost as soon as I flip over with about a minute or, or so left in the uh in the second, uh, um they score who's who's Calgary playing? I'm sorry. Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah, duh, it's the Battle of Canada. Um so yeah, as soon as uh as soon as uh, I flip it over with about a minute left, Edmonton scores to make it six to five. And then all told, it was freaking nine to six. I think that last goal—I—I I, I had stopped watching it back by then, but I think by then um, Edmonton had probably pulled their goalie. Yeah,
2: just an empty netter. I
0: think that ninth goal was an empty netter.
2: That's cool because it's—it's the battle for Canada too. Like you said, Canadian team hasn't won the cup in in a while. Um, the Lightning are the back-to-back champions. They're up two-zero right now on Florida. That's of course where you would have great hockey,
0: is, is in Tampa?
2: Yeah, of course. That is is wild that they have a chance to win three straight titles. You just you don't see that much in sports at all. Can
0: you name? I will tell you it was a hockey, an NHL team of the Big Four, North American sports. Can you t- and it was a hockey team, so you know that much. Can you tell me which franchise was the last one to win four straight championships?
2: Um, let's see. I don't think the Avalanche won four straight. They had a good little thing going there. Red Wings had a good thing going, but I don't know if they got four straight. Islanders had a great thing going. Do you have to go back to Wayne Gretzky with Edmonton? It did involve Wayne Gretzky. Was he on Edmonton?
0: Yes, right he started there. his career with Edmonton.
2: It involved Wayne Gretzky. Does that mean they beat Wayne Gretzky? To win their fourth straight. Was it the Islanders? It was the Islanders. Okay. And then the
0: next year, after their fourth uh, in the drive for five, the uh, Edmonton turned around and beat the Islanders to keep them from winning a fifth straight
2: crazy so yeah it's it's a good time the blues who are kind of nearby ish are are playing against the avalanche who is my pick to win the the stanley cup i'm no hockey expert but it's just it's so nice too that the nhl playoffs now are on real espn and turner (laughs) right and that we can actually yeah exactly it's so much easier to watch and they have like the studio shows i love the turner studio shows they they do such a good job with the basketball the the hockey one is really good they
0: also espn also did this or maybe this was turner one of those as soon as they got the rights to the NHL the first thing they did was they bought the guy I can't remember his name but they bought the guy from NBC um, the guy who was like yeah, the known know hockey co- mm-hmm. the known hockey guy they said okay this guy's the brand this guy we know is is the name in hockey broadcasting I don't care what it costs we're taking we're, we're buying him away from NBC mm-hmm.
2: okay next up Stock is up on outdoor basketball. It's getting to that time of year. It's summer. Not really today. It's overcast. But uh, the weather's nice. You can go out, play basketball outside. But also, uh, the basketball tournament, which we've talked about before, is coming to Rucker Park. One of the regionals. So they have eight regionals with eight teams. One of the regionals is coming to Rucker Park in New York New City. York? They're going to do an outdoor That's regional. cool. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
0: I, I will say this. Outdoor basketball, I just think, so uh, my neighbors have a, their their neighbors are, or, sorry, my parents have neighbors, easy enough for me to say. <laughs> my parents have neighbors who are, um, they're a young family. Uh, they're, um, they have one kid who I think is maybe 12 or 13 and another kid who's eight or nine. And anyway, they just got, in the last couple of months, they just got a basketball hoop and that kid. Like, at 7.30 in the morning before he has to leave for school, he's out there shooting hoops. After school, he's out there shooting hoops a lot of times with his dad. And I like to think, I don't know if these things are related, but there's part of me that's like, I wonder if this run that KU just went on got him, like, hooked on basketball. You know, Because I mean? he's a kid. He's, mm-hmm. hes I think he's probably seven or eight. Maybe he's the next great one. And that's the maybe thing. he's the next Christian and, Brown. And maybe down the line, he'll be telling the story if he got really... He's like, ah, I always kinda like basketball, but I just I, I kept shooting hoops and loved it after after I saw KU win the national championship. Cause I have noticed an uptick with that kid uh shooting more hoops ever since KU made that title run. That's awesome. Okay, last one.
2: Stock is down on old legendary pitchers. Clayton Kershaw injured. Uh Max Scherzer, injured, out six to eight weeks. That's sad. I do you think we're ever gonna see a three hundred win pitcher again? I have no. the active wins in front of I, me. I think it's. I. Honestly, the best shot might be. Because, okay, everybody I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, you're going to have to pitch till you're 45, which is not like. It's not unthinkable. Nolan Ryan did it, but it's also like, I, I don't expect of, it to happen. Of the guys
0: in reach, you know who's most likely to pitch till he's 45? I think it's
2: Justin Verlander. I think
0: it's Zachary Greinke. Yeah, that's he's, true. He's his, like a two. Yeah. What is he at Two twenty-two.
2: He's at two nineteen.
0: Two nineteen. I mm-hmm. feel like it, is that, that up to date? i say, yeah, that might well, have been headed into the. Year. I think it was two nineteen headed into the year, and I could just see him just lobbing up. Well, he doesn't up. have any
2: wins this year, so really two nineteen because the Royals' offense stinks. I could,
0: I could just see him lobbing up, you know, eighty-nine mile an hour fastballs with movement and and just pitching till he's forty-five, just because. Well, yeah, Ver,
2: Verlander's up there. I, but Verlander's no. one year older than Granke. He's still throwing gas. He is, Verlander legit looks like a Cy Young candidate this year. He's, he's got 231. He's approaching Nolan Ryan
0: territory. That's what I'm with, saying. He's just, like with you the velocity, said, he's throwing right? velocity
2: at that age. If he plays five more years after this one, he's a 231. He can get to 240 this year, maybe 245. And you're looking at, you know, 50, 60 wins over the next four or five seasons it's yeah. hard, but it's doable. Yeah, that it, that would be difficult.
0: I just think, I mean, wins are becoming less, le- less and less of a priority, and so you're going to get more guys getting, you know, like it used to be an insult. Like the pitcher had to do something bad to get pulled in the fifth inning. Now that's not necessarily the case anymore.
2: No, this is just, I'm going through, like everyone who has like 80 or more is like 32 or older. Well, so you have to just... go through five or six to get a decision. You got to go five. Go through five. You At your point, there's so many guys going three or four, exactly. and then, or they'll have an opener. An
0: opener, and so I think it's going to start getting spread out a little more. Um, that it, it might get to a point where a lot of teams, the only guy who consistently goes to the sixth or seventh inning is like the true ace,
2: ace, yeah. ace.
0: You know, you know what I mean?
2: I guess stocks up on potential Justin Verlander tickets in like 2028 or something like that. Um, because those tickets are going to be outrageous. Because he could be the last of a dying breed. Who knows? I mean, that's that's crazy. I don't you even know? know if we if he doesn't even get to like two fifty. I don't know who will even do that. I don't. I, I don't. There's nobody on the uh, just no. approaching. Is that going to be the new milestone? Like two hundred?
0: It might. That's the That's an interesting question. Will two? Will it be like two fifty? Will that or two twenty five? You know, will be like oh, he's going for
2: yeah. That's crazy. He's Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Stocks up on Rock Shock Sports stock. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joins us next. I locked my keys in the car earlier today. Now, fortunately, everything is so great. AAA makes it so easy. You just, like, you don't even, like, call them anymore. You just do, like, an online thing. They come out. Took like twenty minutes. It was easy. I got my keys out of the car. But before um, I found
0: out he had AAA, I had already thrown a brick through the windshield. I thought I was helping. <laughs> it turned out it was
2: the wrong car
0: that yeah, threw was, the brick through the it windshield. It wasn't even in our station's <laughs> parking lot.
2: <laughs> um, so I, I just, I, I love how much easier it is nowadays. Like fifteen years ago, it was like a huge deal if you did it. I even a couple of years ago did it once. I was, I was broadcasting a baker, uh, a Baker University baseball game, and I locked them in the car. And it was like cold, it was windy oh, that's the worst And I was in like a short sleeve and I left my jacket in the car as well. And so then as I was trying to go home after the broadcast, I had to wait like an hour for them to come by and get it and I'm just cold it's it's getting dark. there's no like lights in the parking lot that that's stunk. Uh, do you have any stories of ever locking your keys in the car?
0: I've done that several times. Um, once uh, the car was running and it was so cold um and I actually finally somebody drove up. And I was like, can can I use your, because my cell phone was in the car too. I was like, can I use your cell phone to call a tow company? So that, um, it was, you know, that was, but the worst thing I've ever done out of distraction involving a car was, I can tell you, it was like January, February of 08. I ha- I was living in Gardner at the time, but I had a date. Uh, I was, there was this kind of, it was what I termed my four-year gap year, where I, I wasn't going to college in the four years out of high school. Uh, but I had a date with a, a Young woman who was a freshman at KU, who I met through some friends, and um, I was very nervous and distracted and think about other things. And I was I didn't have her in the car. Thankfully, I was leaving Gardner to come to Lawrence, um, and I get get put gas in my car. Um, I whatever I go, I check my mirrors and the hose is still hanging out of the gas tank. Oh no! And so I turn around. I never left the parking lot. I noticed it thankfully before. So I pull into the parking spot and uh, I walk in and the lady goes, "Do you know what you just did?" And I go, "Yeah, I've I have a pretty good idea of it." And they called the police. They called the owner of the place to like make make an incident report. And the owner got I got on the phone with him and he goes, "Honestly, man, I I don't know why they called the police. Yeah. They're, they're trained on what to do. It's just a, they do they have breakaway things. I mean, t- just in case that happens. And so it just I walked out there. I snapped the thing back in place and that was it. So he was a nice guy about it but the uh, the the people working at the at the register that day were were terrified but I was quite embarrassed but then I got a great deal of relief because I told my brother-in-law that story and he laughed at me but then he told his brother that story and his brother who's a lawyer goes oh yeah I've done that five or
2: six times <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't seem like it'd be that big of a deal. Why are they calling the cops? Like, no, I feel like I, that would happen all the time. I
0: don't know if they just had forgotten or maybe like, they actually oh, hadn't been trying to been steal trained. the hose.
2: What? I don't know what it was, but
0: whatever. The cops were, you know, the police were very
2: nice. Were like, and, what do we and, do? Who do we call? Yeah, they, call the hose people. Yeah. Those
0: don't exist.
2: Oh, God. The
0: cops then. <laughs> yeah. Call 911. That's a number I, I recognize.
2: <laughs> he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. RCST Replay. Next, you're on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depending on it. Happy Friday here and joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. The Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic is upcoming. It's it's uh, right around the corner, actually, just a, a couple weeks away. I think three weeks, I believe, from from yesterday uh, when the round ball is. But the festivities get going really uh, for several days over the course of the week. So, uh, Brian, with things right around the corner, I'm sure uh, things are, are very busy for you getting this stuff all you know, planned out and crossing the T's and dotting the I's and everything. But what is what is the upcoming plan? What is the upcoming order, the schedule for everything that is going to be the Rock Chuck Round Ball Classic this year?
5: Well, thanks a lot for the chance to talk about it. We're fired up. We are two minus I guess, 20 days out now since technically the game is on Thursday the 9th, and we'll have Derek Johnson's awesome play-by-play chops on the call right here on KLWN, so that'll be great. We'll also have a telecast with a replay um on WWW in Topeka and KSMO in Kansas City on the eleventh. But the live broadcast, the only place to hear it live is, is right here on KFWN. But 14th annual, can you believe that? That makes me feel wow. but so we've been doing this since two thousand and nine and uh you know we're we're around seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars raised and that's that's to me something I'm pretty proud of considering we started with you know one dollar hot dogs and five dollar tickets. Up until this year, we've always never gone over the $10 dollar ticket threshold, and my board finally convinced me this year to raise it to 15. Based on what some of these other tickets were going for on the uh, the, uh, the tours that we saw from barnstorming perspectives with KU, our board thought it was, it was the right year to hike it up by five bucks, and I, I hate to ever have to raise it, but the truth of the matter is. You know, we're paying for flights to bring these guys in. We're paying for hotels. And we've got some great hotel sponsors that, that give us some um, some deals, like True by Hilton right next to Free State and the Oriad on campus. They they give us some price breaks. But at the end of the day, there's a certain amount of expense that goes into to bring these guys in. Um, 1% of them pay their own way to come. But the rest, you know, we are bring in. So for folks that see the price hike from $10 to $15, that's why. Because at the end of the day, and we're trying to make as much money as possible for these five kids that are battling cancer. You can read their bios and their stories on our website and on our Facebook page as well and on Instagram too. Uh, and so $15 a ticket this year, but think about it, guys. You're getting, uh, you know, five or six NBA guys coming back, autographs afterwards. You've got pregame concert. You've got all kinds of fun, interactive experiences with closer seats than you'll ever have anywhere else to see these guys. And it's still cheaper than what you were seeing some of those other tickets go for uh, with various other exhibition games going on right now. And So the good news is 100% of this money is going to benefit local children battling cancer and and not going anywhere else. So that's awesome. And so we're proud of that. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be at least 40 former Jayhawks coming back for the Thursday game. We'll have 30 more. Uh, Many of them are the same, I should say, the following night for the Friday Celebrity Dinner. Friday Celebrity Dinner is presented by Johnny's Tavern, and it'll be kind of like a hawk talk where you get to have an hour up on stage with some great KU basketball stories being told. I always say it's the untold stories of KU hoops. We've done this twice now in previous years at uh, Jayhawk Club one year. We had Abe and Jake's another. This year it's going to be at the Burge Union Ballroom, which is a fairly brand-new facility, and you'll have a celebrity at every table, 30 tables deep, six patrons per table with the celebrity couple. And so you get that one on one time while you're drinking and eating and all that, but then five guys will go up on stage and we'll announce those five uh, here next week. As a matter of fact, on who the five will be telling the untold stories of KG hoops. It's, it's a fun deal I'm the MC. And so we, we cover them with fun questions and, you know, candidly, it's it's kind of some stuff that might not be fit for air, but nobody's recording <laughs> and so it's it's just the three hundred people in the room that get to hear it and the guys kinda of open up more a little bit that way. Not that it's anything scandalous. It's not like that. It's just, you know, they're laughing and telling jokes and providing a little extra color that you might not get if you were in a more buttoned up on camera fashion. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But it's it's nothing bad. It's just it's it's fun, you know, and you, you get it. Guys up there laughing and and talking trash to each other, and barbs are being thrown back and forth in a much more conversational and kind of free fly and loose fashion than you'd have in an interview setting. And it's honestly as cool as anything I've been a part of in terms of a a Ku conversation. And so I mean, I I could tell you stories of you know Drew Gooden and and Pony Thompson, our first year doing it. That uh, you know if we we had the podcast version and not the over the airwaves version, and I could be a little more PG thirteen. I, I tell you some great stories that they told. So I mean, this is this is a night of laughter and fun. But then in the middle of the storytelling, we pause. We have a halftime, and we raise the paddle. And and we raise six figures just raising the paddle that night uh, from folks that are generous enough to give. And then we'll have some really cool live auction items. One of which is the chair that Wilt Chamberlain sat in. When he came back mm. and signed autographs and saw his jersey go up in the rafters, it's autographed by him. It's his personal chair for that special anniversary weekend that he came back for before he passed away. Man, I hope he raised a pretty penny for that. That's such a generous donation. We can't wait to uh, see what that goes for. But that'll be Friday night at the Burge. Again, that's presented by Johnny's. And then Saturday, presented by Jefferson's, we will have a special bowling event. And if you were part of this last year then it was on a Friday night, uh, it's a blast, man. you got 30 lanes, 30 Jayhawks celebrities, basketball and football on the lanes. We'll have a celebrity champion crowned. Last year it came down to Todd Riesing versus Brady Morningstar, and Todd edged him out in the end. But Brady told me in route to qualifying for the, the three-frame roll-off, his last game score was 264. Hmm. How about that? 264. Yeah, so so we get some big time talent on the bowling lanes too. But what's cool about this is, much like the dinner on Friday, you know, you get that two hours of FaceTime and interaction with the guys. And so it's it's uh, this one, unlike the dinner on Friday, which is an adult event, this is for the family. So you could have a, a team that has mostly kids on it. You got to have at least one adult per team, but uh, the kids can bowl. I think last year, at Little was the most popular with the kids because he was the most engaging and fun and backing jokes and taking selfies and just having a blast. And you and your kids, you and your wife, you and your friends, whoever comes gets a chance to interact with these guys in a really fun, just let's go roll some balls and talk some hoops and have some fun type setting. And so uh, at the end of the first game, you bowl two games. At the end of the first, you switch celebrities. So if, if Devontae's on lane one, and, and somebody like Cole Aldrich is on lane two, you'll flip. And then Cole will bowl with team A for the second game, and Devonte will bowl with team B for the second game. And so you get multiple guys that way. And uh, it, it was a ton of fun last year. It's going to be even more fun this year with some of the names we've got coming back. So we're calling this Round Ball Celebrity Weekend because it's three days, three events. Hopefully we'll raise two hundred grand in those three days. we got some great corporate sponsors like Creative One in Kansas City. Johnny's, Tavern, Jefferson's, as I referenced, McDonald's is hopping on board, Crown Automotive is hopping on board, those hotel partners I referenced from the Oread and True by Hilton, and great media partners like yourselves. And so uh, it's going to be a blast. We've got great names coming back. We can get to those next if you want. But I'm just so proud of what this thing has uh, turned into. We've got a board of 12 people that work tirelessly year-round to pull this off. This is not something we just throw together in a couple of weeks. It's, it's a lot of work. And I hope folks realize that and take advantage of it and get out there and support us June the ninth, 10th, and 11th to raise life-changing dollars for these five families in need.
2: Yeah, and those kids, D.K. Clark, Jake Jones, Fatima Gomez, or, uh, Fatima and uh, John Foster and, and George Langston, again, you can check that out on the uh, Starting Five portion of it with the R-Stars if you go to the com. Uh, website there it's it's a great time highly recommend going it's so much fun you get to see the players my i think my wife entered a couple raffles last year and ended up with a uh Todd Reese, game worn rock Chalk round ball classic jersey he you know signed it and took a picture with her after the game she loved it so nice. it, it, it's a great event to go to you get to see the, and again the most important thing it is for the kids so $15 a ticket that's still nothing for for what you guys are doing with this cause and uh it it's so much fun it's so touching each and every year um, I, I love that you guys do this, and and as you mentioned, some of the players, uh, I've seen three that have come across so far on social media, so I, you know, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything just yet. I don't know how much you can give away with those, but so far we've seen Devontae Graham, Svee Luke, and Devon Dotson. That's that's a pretty darn good first three to uh, be announced right there. Um, is there anything else you can tell us about upcoming player announcements or who have already been announced to be coming?
5: Yeah. Last night, we put out Greg Ostertag, who was supposed to make his debut last year, then something came up, but he's driving up from Texas. So excited about that. Here's a guy that you know played in the early 90s, but he's still going to lace him up and, and get out there for a few minutes. The former $40 million center of the Utah Jazz, at 7'2", and a thorn and Shaquille O'Neal's side for all those years in the Western Conference. Uh, we just announced Tyshawn Taylor today. Frank Mason verbaled to us the other day, so once his flight's locked in, we'll we'll announce him officially, maybe back for his second game. Uh, And and there's a couple other pretty major names we're waiting on, one of which, um, you know, it's it's just hinging on what happens in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. But, uh, you know, we had the Morris Twins back last year. Obviously, we want to see Marquise advance to the NBA Finals, but if he doesn't, there's a good chance he'll come to Lawrence instead. I guarantee you, it's not official, but uh, we're waiting on that. And, and uh, of course, he comes, his twin brother comes. And so we've got uh, excitement in that regard. Um, we've got several other names that have verbal, but uh, we're still locking in the flights based on their previous commitments, uh, one of which is, is Mario Chalmers and Rick Newman. Uh, guys like uh, the 2008 National Championship team members of Cole Aldrich, Darnell Jackson, Russell Robinson. They're all in. They're locked in. They're coming. Uh and hopefully Mario's able to come too. We have a little bit of a of a somewhat of a conflict in him getting set for the big three event that happens every year. And it's interesting. We've been doing this for fourteen years. We never had to compete with the T V T or the Big Three or Barnstorming Tours or anything like that fourteen years ago. And now you have to kind of juggle the schedules of some of these guys a little bit. But we're excited about it. Uh we're we're gonna, you know, get a, a ton of star power out there. Probably as I said, you know, upwards of six NBA guys, and um, all of that is fluid and subject to change because these guys' schedules are are so fluid and they get pulled in all directions. But once we have a flight booked and a hotel booked, we start announcing it, and if 95% follow-through, they usually end up making it to town. So we're excited. In terms of autograph seekers, I I know there's a lot of folks out there like me that want to get a picture or a signature or something like that. Uh, we will have autographs returning this year. It's the players' discretion if they want to participate in that or not, because COVID is still a factor. It's it's a very real thing. We couldn't do autographs last year for that reason, but we'll set out the tables this year. We'll let folks um, you know get in line and and try to do so in an orderly fashion and not mob these guys. But uh, for as many that want to take part in that, they will. And then, uh, like I said, you know, to really get that interaction with them. Consider being a part of the Friday night dinner or the Saturday bowling. You can find out details on all those events on our website, which is rockchalkroundballclassic.com, and uh, you can sign up for the teams and and the tables at that time. We mentioned the five beneficiary kids. Our our sixth beneficiary is also one of our partners, Baby J's Legacy of Hope. What Baby J's does as a local pediatric cancer organization for us is we'll give the lump sum to those five kids but then the same amount is also given to Baby Jays, which is then spread out over the course of 10 or 12 other kids in smaller increments over the course of the year. And so ultimately, your donations will go to benefit 15 to 20 kids total in a given year. So we're really excited about that. They do great work with the Souter family in working with us in that regard. Their daughter, Jaden Souter, was our third-ever beneficiary. She passed away, unfortunately, about 11 years ago. But it's in her memory and her legacy that their foundation lives on, and they've been able to impact a couple hundred kids in the last 10 years in in her name and in her memory. So we're excited to partner with them. So it's a a great group of people. It's a ton of big-time talent coming back. And I promise you this, it's it's the greatest interactive experience in terms of truly getting face-to-face, quality hangout, and, and engagement time with these guys as anything that has as any affiliation with KU and we're proud of that and I hope you come out and, and help us make a difference in the lives of these kids June 9th should the 11th
2: uh, I, I don't remember if we we mentioned this over the course of this but um, obviously as you said it's $15 tickets but where can people get the tickets I know 23rd Street Brewery yeah. Johnny's in, in Topeka do you want to run through all those places
5: Absolutely, yeah. So Johnny's in Topeka, and then in Kansas City, there's three Johnny's Tavern locations you can get them: Ridgeview, Prairie Village, and Power and Lights. I know Adam's, you know, crushing it at Power and Lights three nights <laughs> a week, macking on the girls. You can just pop into Johnny's; always there. Get a few tickets. I don't really impress the baby, Adam, so make sure you do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I you know,
0: appreciate Prairie the uh, the advice.
5: <laughs> <And Ridgeview. laughs> but no, um, those are the three Kansas City locations. People ask all the time, can we buy them online. You can't, I'm sorry, you know we we raised it to fifteen this year, but up until now, at ten dollars a ticket it's just the expense of mailing them or you know setting up the software to buy them online it's just it's just not. You know, the good business at that point would be making even less money per ticket. So that's why it's still an in-person thing. Plus, it gives us a chance to support those businesses that are supporting these kids, like the brewery, like Johnny's Tavern. So get out there and support them. And then there will be a very, very, very limited number available at the gate on game night. But you want to make sure you already have yours in hand before that. Uh, we will have some MVP seats, which is always the uh, first two rows. includes a T-shirt. We'll do that online next week, so keep it tuned to our social media pages for updates on how you can get those. But uh, this is still the best ticket in local entertainment. I promise you that. More bang for your dollar than than anywhere else. And uh, we're really excited about the crew that's coming back this year. So if you have any further questions, again, check out the website com. And if you're a business listening today, like, you know, my, my sponsor every week when we come on these shows, Nate Miller, Miller Retirement Group, They've been huge supporters over the years, uh, buying full weekend packages and a dinner table and a, a you know bowling team or what have you. If you're a business and you want to get involved, uh, we'd love to have you reach out through the website. You know, we'd love to to put a special sponsorship together that tailor makes you know your business fit with our night. Like McDonald's, for example, last year thanks to a sizable donation by the Dobson family. we've Pause the, the game in the middle of the game, and had all the McDonald's All-Americans playing in the game come out and, and receive a check from McDonald's that went to these kids. It's a pretty cool moment. And so, you know, you got the Perry Ellis's and Sharon Collins of the world out there, uh, you know, posing for a picture with the kids and receiving the check and that kind of thing. And we just did that because McDonald's wanted to get involved. So, if you're a business, you think, man, sounds like a cool cause. I, I'd love to have my business somehow affiliated with it. Hit me up. Uh, you can you can email me directly if you want. Uh, behave at edu and, and we'll talk about it. But, uh, one last thing. We got new head coaches this year. Uh, Bud Stalworth and Calvin Thompson were awesome for mm-hmm. the better part of 15 years and, and they're still affiliated with the game. But we're bringing in some fresh blood. And so the original co host of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, the guy that created it with me 20 years ago, is now the head coach of the Washburn Ikebods. Matt Ballard is going to be one of the head coaches. And word on the street is he's putting these guys through like rigorous (laughs) two-a-day practices. They're installing an offense. I mean, this is going to be a professionally coached thing by the head coach of the Ichabod. And then his counterpart, another Rock Chalk Sports Talk hosting alum from back in the day. Two-time All-American. Two-time Final Four participant. NBA World Champion. You know who I'm talking about. Big Dub Wayne Simeon will be a head coach. And those two were teammates. Back in 02 and and I, I told Dub, I said, you know, this is going to be great. You know, you former teammate. You guys are going toe to toe. He said, we're not teammates that night. I'm coming for him. I'm gonna be talking trash. We're not teammates that night. So, uh, Big Dub and Brett Ballard, that's going to be a lot of fun. I tried to get Boshi versus Ballard initially to have the whole Pitt State Washburn thing going and to get both of those athletic departments behind it. But Boshi's uh, got another commitment. And then when Big Dub said he'd be willing to coach, I said, we got to make you head coach because folks will really get behind that. So, uh, Wayne Simeon, Brett Ballard, that's going to be a ton of fun head coaching on June the 9th.
2: I love it. And who knows? Maybe we'll see uh, another contest. Like I forget which rendition of the round ball that was uh, where it came down to the two coaches shot free throws against each other. And uh, in that situation, I, I don't know who I'd take. I mean, Wayne Simeon was his last couple of years at KU shot over 80% at the free throw line. So I, I might go him, but I bet you Brett Ballard is shooting free throws more often nowadays being in the gym with, with Washburn every day. I don't know. That was, uh, I think
5: that was round ball four. I, I say that as if it's like the movie Rocky or something, yeah. Rocky Four, That right, round ball four, that was Stallworth coaching opposite of Scott Pollard. And uh, and Bud hit the free throw, <laughs> held the follow-through in the air, and just turned and walked out the gym. And it wasn't like a 10-foot walk out the gym. It was like 75 feet from the opposite. <laughs> it was like, like the Forrest Gump the scene
2: where he just runs through the tunnel.
5: I mean, it was the most swag-tastic moment I've ever seen. Only he, but He hits the game winner, turns and walks out. It was a drop-the-mic moment <laughs> for the ages at the Round Ball Classic, and maybe we'll have that. You never
2: know. Yeah, you don't. Well, Brian, we appreciate the time as always, and, and we'll have you on again next week to talk about any other roster additions and, and so forth with the Round Ball, if that's cool with you. Uh, but before we let you go, yeah. one last thing with Adam. All right, Brian. One last thing: the great musician
0: Vangelis died earlier this week. He composed uh, the uh, the music, among other movies, for *Chariots of Fire*. Have you ever worked out or run to the *Chariots of Fire* theme?
5: <laughs> no, but I'm I'm having this conversation with you guys right now from the hotel in Austin of KU Baseball, and I'm going to put it on on Spotify as I head to the elliptical next. So. You've motivated me, man. I'll do it. I'll let you I'll report back next year. There we weekend. go. Excellent.
0: I think it'll I think it'll 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 get
2: the the blood flowing even more so. There you go. Burn a couple extra calories there. Well, Brian, we appreciate the time again as always, man. And uh thanks for uh hopping on.
5: Yeah, thank you guys. Always a pleasure, and we'll uh look forward to seeing you on the night. Thanks so much.
2: That is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson here on FM one oh one seven and thirteen twenty, K L W N. Depend on it.